deceptive manipulative. He's also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Eerie Americas. This is Vicky Ayala. And this is Christy Hull. How are ya? We're good. We're good. Friday. It is Friday. It's hot. <laughs> it's really hot. And I'm sorry, guys. I might sound like Eartha Kit today or whoever these days you kids will know that has like a raspy voice. Like I'm a little, it's that AC sick, you know, like From that like with tangle. On. Yeah, you know? where your throat just feels like shit, but like nothing else is wrong. Yeah. So we have a funny story. Uh, Christy and I, as we told you guys recently, we have a friend that asked us to be in her wedding. So we're in a group chat, of course, which is supposed to be a bridesmaids group chat, but we really don't talk about the wedding at all. We talk about everything else. Anything but the wedding. Everything but the wedding, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, So she texts us Tuesday and it's 8.56 a.m. Like I'm looking at it. It is morning. It's Tuesday. Her text goes... So I just got woken up at 5.30 by police banging and screaming. I look outside and there's a line of police with helmets and shields, eight DT cars bashing down the door to my down my neighbor's downstairs door. So naturally, my reaction is I'll tell them mm-hmm. that you were with me last night because I'm like, whatever you did, you didn't do it. We all jumped to the conclusion that she did something. Got your back. And then she's like, no, it was the wrong house. (laughs) And they were basically looking for someone who didn't live there anymore. But like, it's weird because one, we had like no reaction to our friend getting woken up by police, which is honestly, she's probably the least likely to do anything to have police knock on your door. Out of all of us, she's probably the most law abiding and we don't do anything illegal just kind of like our you know literally the least likely to do yeah. anything that would have she's like our straight edge friend yeah. you know so other than a couple drinks she's very chill so it's not it's not something that we would and expect it's not like any of us aren't like chill but if you put the four of us in that chat and you said which one of us would have the police knocking at our door it would not be it her. would be me then vicky then our other friend then her yeah like so. it, it, it definitely would so it was just funny but then like the next thing is that, like, I don't know, I guess it was just the element of why are we not more surprised? I feel like this happens because it's not the first time that I've oh, heard yeah. someone getting woken up by police and it was like the wrong fucking house and you would think that they mm-hmm. would do more research into. And that's my thing. So I was talking to someone at work about it because it was like a live feed for some people at work because I'm there at 8 a.m. And my coworker was like, she should, the neighbor should totally sue because like that's like traumatic. But they did and damage too. They like did they damage. kicked in someone's door. And then our friend's downstairs neighbor, he's an Iraq war veteran. Oh, and he, yeah. in flashback, he got some PTSD from it. So it's, it was definitely a infiltration of innocent people's lives. Right. So he's right on that aspect. But if everyone in New York City did that, the city's fun for that kind of stuff would be wiped clean right. because it happens constantly. People move all the time. People get kicked out. And yes, the cops should be a little more aware and cognizant of the people that are like you would think you would watch the house for a day and ensure right. that that's the right person instead of it's just like, going at five in the morning. It's also but like eight fifty six on a Tuesday. Most people, I mean. She told us at 8.56, but this happened at 5.30 in the morning. morning. But it's like, Mm -hmm. 5.30 in the morning, you realize other people 
live in the area. Like she, she has two kids, but their bedrooms are not towards the front of the house. Yeah, so they they're in the back, they right through anything. it. But as I'm not a mother, but I know that all my mommy friends tell me, if you woke up my fucking kid mm-hmm. way before they had to wake up and you disturbed all of our sleep, that's worth the lawsuit itself. Like just to get kids to fucking sleep and like stay asleep. And then it was funny. So on the reverse side, we're like, oh, thank, thank goodness the kids didn't hear. Like they, you know, they're asleep. Great. She goes. I almost kind of wish that she had woken up, though, because she always threatens her daughter that the police will take her away if she's And she's bad. like, oh, it'll follow and through so with my she threat. wanted to follow through. And I was like, that would <laughs> only come from Amanda. Like, that's the old, that would only come from Amanda. Every other moment was like, it would oh, give some thank validity God. To, like, and she was like, threats. no, that would have validated my entire game here. So <laughs> next time, don't worry. You know what? We'll come over and we'll be like, oh, did you hear what happened? They were looking for you when, when I you totally were bad. Was, I would have been like, the you cops know just here looking for you but i sent them away you know i always mess with her I'm, kids head, i'm totally so great with I'm scary down. children you want me to terrify your child pay me i will start a service for that kind of hey, stuff hey if that's something that you guys are interested in <laughs> let us know we will traumatize your children you have heard we had plenty of trauma growing not up, a, but we're just fine it's not trauma oh yeah we run we're host of a podcast about killers and the paranormal we're totally fine so but no, it's not about that. It's about lessons. Like if anyone watches Arrested Development, right. his dad used to traumatize him. He's like, that's why you always leave a note. But hey, they always left Love notes. Note. So. But that's the thing. Like one of the worst things There's I different think trauma, is you know? knowing that your parents have like these empty threats because you know they're not. You know, she probably is just like, whatever, fucking cops. They're not going to come here. Like that would have evolved. Oh, you girl. could ride that wave. Everything you at least say. Till, at least till her preteens. Sophia's at least six? seven. Seven? At least that's, till her preteens. That's at least until she's like 11 yeah, or 12. That, that shit would have worked. Yep. So. I'm going to read something I read off of. Yes. You got me so addicted to Reddit. Yes. I hate you for it. But I'm going to read something um, that someone wrote. I was just looking up creepy stories and this kind of popped out. This is from MM1029. When I lived in Jefferson Park in Chicago, I would take the blue line home from work at night and cut through the park on my way back to my apartment. One night after I had just got off an 11-hour shift, God bless you for mm-hmm. that, I was walking through the park like usual towards Lawrence Avenue. Usually I'm the only one there or there's another commuter walking home with me. This time, as I'm walking through alone, this guy walks out of the shadows next to this community center in the park and is now walking about 15 meters behind me. If you don't know what that is in feet, look it up. Five feet, roughly. No big deal. I figured he had just gone to piss in the bushes, which I had done on many an occasion after a night of drinking. So I'm walking along and I realize this guy is now about five meters behind me, which... uh, of course is a lot closer but he's not trying to pass me he's matching my pace at this point i'm on lawrence and i'm still thinking he's probably just walking home too i go to cross the street a couple blocks away and when i turn to see if there's a car coming i see he's even closer to me like really close weird Hmm. he crosses with me and he starts walking faster to keep up as i speed up my pace now this is really weird i cross the street again at a random part of the street to see if he follows he does I cross the street again. He follows again. Uh-oh. He's definitely following me. So as I'm nearing my apartment, I'm realizing I don't want this guy to know where I live. So I stop, pull out my knife, and turn around. We make eye contact for what felt like five minutes, but was probably only like 25 seconds. Neither of us says a word. He doesn't look scared, but he looks surprised. I turn back around and keep walking. He turns left at the very next intersection. To this day, I don't know if I saved myself from a mugging by showing this guy I was ready for a fight or I just scared the shit out of some poor bastard just trying to get home too. 
Better safe than sorry, I guess. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, better safe than sorry. Hell yeah. That's called being vigilant. Mm-hmm. After an 11-hour shift, you're fully aware. Good for whoever this Even was. Even if he wasn't, I'm sorry. If he was a guy also walking home, don't walk so close. Or, Why are you crossing with or me? Or what if this is a she? She was completely right, right to protect herself because, like, that's clearly at night by a park. That's a setup for every no. single thing I've ever care. heard that goes wrong. I don't care. You saved yourself from something because I've done it before too to test if somebody was following me. If you're starting to cross in the middle of random streets and they continue to cross, there's no need for anyone to walk five meters behind you. Nope. There's no need walking in a direction and I notice that I'm walking behind the same person and they cross and I was also supposed to cross. I've literally not crossed just to make it look like I'm not following them. You don't have to do those things. Nope. So... Whether they were going to mug you or not, you are self-aware. You'll save yourself in the future if you didn't save yourself this time. And the reason that that kind of creeped me out is because that could happen to anybody, anywhere, at any time. But you know what? You're a survivor. So You're a survivor. Good for you. Good for you, you were smart and you locked eyes with them. So they obviously didn't want, they didn't want that fight. But they also, at that point, you kind of, you know what they look like now. Exactly. So. They got to make their move or not. Yeah, that that's just intense. something that caught my attention a little bit. Intense. So this is something of mine, another weird fascination. And whenever I see these people, I tend to like want to ask them questions, want to know about their life more. And as a New Yorker, that's strange. But this particular group are twins. Oh, my mom's a twin. Yes. And (laughs) one of our other best friends, her sisters are identical twins and they gave birth a week apart, even though they were separate. Twins are weird. My mom's a twin and she has a twin brother. And I'm telling you, they both wound up in the hospital at the same time with the same symptoms because one person felt another. My mom has, they don't even really speak. She has literally felt when something is wrong with him. My mom is sick. And when she got sick, he wound up in the hospital. There is a weird twin connection thing. And my cousin's cousins are identical twins. They are now in college. To this day, I've known, I've met them from age six months old on. I still mix them up. Like, because they look so much alike. They act so much like they're both so quiet. They both are going to the same school. They're both are specializing in the same field. They're so, their connection. No, they did. They dyed their hair and I still mix them up because their faces <laughs> are this. They've been, I've noticed they intentionally do that. Like, but Olivia's blonde now or like blonde highlights and Lauren is redhead. And I'm like, okay, red, Lauren, red, Lauren. And that's how I do it. But like, if they dye their hair back, and they spun me around, I'd be like, oh, man. Yeah, I have to remember every time I see them what they're wearing. And that's how I figure it I, out. I, I love twins. They're fascinating. I'm going to get Can't into this wait. now. The bond between twins, as we've said, is unlike any sibling connection. We have siblings, and we even say that twins are on another level. Oh, yeah. To say it's powerful and unique may insult some twins out there as a severe understatement, especially when you know that only 3.3% of births globally are twins, according to data from 2012. For those of us not in the twin club, it's fascinating, like truly fascinating to think about what life is like as a twin. Imagine what someone who looked just like you and thought like you would be like. You shared a womb. There has to be some special, like you'll always have a best friend. Some identical twins will embrace their similarities as some strive for independence from their counterparts. From being singled out due to similar appearances or the mere fact that you are a twin to dealing with everyday questions, which is why I don't ask them from strangers. Yeah, because I feel like they definitely got these questions every single day their entire lives. I've never asked my cousins any twin questions because I'm like, I'm sure they get it all the time, but I want to. The understanding of the feelings, thoughts, ideas, and more of a co-twin must play hard into the development of such a close relationship. There is even a debate about the twin bond reaching beyond emotional developments. Some believe... Twins' psychic bonds can span any distance or overcome any hurdle when it comes to one another. I believe it. Sure. Perhaps psychic accounts between twins can be ruled out as a chance or a mere 
coincidence. coincidence. But there are other stories that cannot simply be pushed aside. From twin connections to telepathy, all the way up to experiments designed to create twins of a master race. Here are a few stories of twins that seem more paranormal than just familiar bonding. Just so we know the clinical definitions and differences in twins, I searched twins and good old Wikipedia states twins are two offspring produced by the same pregnancy. Twins can either be identical, the scientific word is monozygotic, meaning that they develop from one zygote, which splits and forms two embryos, or fraternal, or as Bill Nye would say, dizygotic, meaning that each twin develops from a separate egg and each egg is fertilized from its own sperm. So those are the difference between twins, just for clarification purposes. The twin connection is inarguably real. Even separated at birth, twins have been found to be strikingly similar. And this is the case for two identical twins. Tamara Robbie began at Hofstra University in New York City in 2003, and immediately she noticed bizarre behavior from her fellow peers. People she had never met were waving and saying hello like they knew her. When Tamara would reply with that, like New York stare we all know, mm-hmm. they would just walk away. So like, wouldn't explain anything, just be like, okay, okay, and just keep going. A few friends claimed to have spotted someone who looked, quote, just like her. She figured it was someone else from Mexico. So right. she's Mexican. She's like, okay, they're probably sure being a little prejudiced. she gets it all the fucking time. Yeah. But then a friend of a friend showed up at her 20th birthday party and could not stop staring at Tamara. Would not stop insisting that Tamara looked just like his friend, Adriana Scott. It was mildly annoying, but not a surprise since she'd been hearing about this lady. As other guests dug into ice cream cake, the friend's friend persisted, like would not let it go. I probably wouldn't either. Yeah. Adriana had also been born in Mexico, he said. With the assistant party guest just on the tour, Tamara and Adriana had their first contact online. So they just decided to reach out because they were like, okay. Well, after so many people, people tell you that, you're like, all right, fine, you're, whatever. You're really close friends. Like, no, dude, I'm telling you, like, she looks just like you. A few nights after their 20th birthday celebration, the two exchanged instant messages on their computers. And from there, the story sort of spilled out. Tamara and Adriana were born in Guadalajara, Mexico and were separated at birth and raised by different adoptive parents. Tamara was adopted by a Jewish couple who lived close to Central Park in Manhattan, near the American Museum of Natural History. Adriana, or Adriana, was adopted by a Roman Catholic family and grew up near just 20 miles away from where Tamara lived in a house with a white picket fence in Valley Stream on Long Island. So one grew up in the city and one was in Valley Stream, which is, like, for people that don't know, it's not far. It's really not train riding you can get there. Yeah. Neither knew she had a twin sister because of the problems in the adoption process. So it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just right. kind of like something that happened. And the, uh, they were born in 1983, so the 80s was like that weird right. time. Tamara's adoptive mother, Judy Rabbi, also did not know of Adriana. So she okay, didn't so even Okay, so it's not know. even... Okay, they didn't know. And they did, all right, that's different. However, Adriana's adoptive mother, Diane Scott, knew, <gasps> but did not know how to find her daughter's twin. So okay. she made so the attempt, her fault either. but okay. she knew of it. But she didn't tell her. She didn't tell her. No. Well, I mean, why would you? You know what I mean? Like you're adopted, you already don't know your family, and then you're gonna find out you have a twin that your mother has no clue how to reach. Like it's kind of one of those things. Like I, I get why they didn't say it because I'm. I think if I put myself in that situation where I'm like, okay, do I tell my child they have a sibling? And that's got to be a hard decision. You know what I mean? Like that's got to be tough. So I'm not trying to blame her or anything. Right. But. It, it is an odd decision not to tell her. But I understand it. I understand right. it completely. 
Mrs. Scott apparently had real fears about Adriana finding out about her twin sister. So it's, again, something right. she's already thought of. She only knew that the family was either called Rabbi or was a rabbi. So she oh, she knew something. Something. But okay. in the 80s, how could you go by that? When Mrs. Scott learned Tamara's last name, she knew it was her. Didn't, she didn't even, even have to, to see, see the photo. Okay. She knew because she remembered the name. She was like, oh, that's her. For Tamara, the confirmation was when Adriana sent a picture of herself by email. Had it not been for Adriana's straighter teeth, thanks to braces, and the absence of a birthmark on her face, Tamara would swear she was staring at a picture of herself. You know your face. When you see your face, you You would know. know. Eventually, mutual friends put the two together and arranged for them to meet at a diner off campus. Even with their different backgrounds, Tamara and Adriana discovered that they had led eerily similar lives, which you should already guess went to the same college, but... The twins' adoptive fathers both died of cancer. Adriana plays the clarinet. Tamara plays the sax. They both love R&B and hip-hop. They both wanted to be vets when they were growing up. They both learned they were five foot three and three quarters, and that makes a difference. And it's true. It does make a difference. It does. Because I'm five three and some change, too. One difference between them, though, is that Tamara loves Chinese food, but Adriana doesn't. The reunited twins and their widowed moms have now formed a close bond. Tamara, who shares the same name with a character on this classic TV show, Sister, Sister, Mm -hmm. had for years been asked from time to time, hey, Tamara, where's your twin? Now she has the answer. Aww. Good story, but not all twins have a healthy relationship with one another, as is the case of the Svaholsky brothers. Identical twins, Robert and Steven Svaholsky, were born in 1955 And they grew up stealing and going on light crimes together, always trying to outdo one another in Rochester County, New York. Just happened to be, I found two cases in New York, so I went for them back to back. In 1971, then 16-year-old Stephen killed a man who owned a store in Elmira Heights, New York, by sneaking up on him on a stairway and hitting him over the head with a hammer. He was 16. It's got dark very quickly. (laughs) He served almost eight years before being released, but like most people who grew up as criminals, he ended up back in prison within a year with charges of kidnapping and burglary. So, not a good guy. Stephen killed the shop owner simply because he deserved it, according to him. Meanwhile, Robert took an even darker path, if you can believe it. Oh, darker, you say. Robert displayed disturbing behavior even growing up. He told a journalist that when he was a teenager, he put a gun to the head of his father's favorite pig and blew his brains out. (gasps) When the journalist asked if he was angry with his father, Robert coldly replied, No, I felt like pork chops. He became heavily addicted to cocaine and soon became violent. No one would ever know. Oh, you mean after this he became violent? He wasn't already. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, murdering animals is never a clear sign. No one would ever know how violent, however, until the early 2000s. On election day in 2005, Robert walked into police headquarters and just confessed to police about how he battered and strangled Vivian Irizarry, age 54, a friend who lived in an adjoining apartment. He then confessed under questioning to killing three others in 1990 and 1991. He just decided a few years later to like, hey, I killed people. Here's why. Police were baffled as why Robert confessed because he wasn't even on their radar. As he was being charged in the two cases, police worked to gather evidence in the other two killings. So they were trying to piece this all together. So as you asked, what may have caused this random act of confessing? The family of Vivian Irizarry believed it was her death that caused him to confess. So he was having hallucinations while on a crack bench and killed her. So they believe that this led to the guilty feeling that he okay. and felt 
he needed to come clean because she was a well-liked person. Even though she, pro- I don't know if she was doing drugs with him mm-hmm. or if he just was cracked out of his mind and he went and killed her. Either way, he considered her somebody like he was kind of friends with. So that must have been a tipping point for him. He was just like, this. I have to tell the truth. But when he got to police, police and their tactics, they know what to ask to find out more information. Mm-hmm. And then all this led out about these other murders. On December 31st, 1990, Moraine Armstrong was found dead in her Lake Avenue apartment with an electrical cord wrapped around her neck. At the time, Robert was living across the street. Until now, that murder remained unsolved. Robert confessed to the killing of Adrian Berger in 1991. Adrian's body was found inside of her home in Emerson Street. Police were never able to determine her cause of death, so the case wasn't even labeled a homicide. Oh, God, okay. So this guy got away with killing two women... No one had a clue about any of these cases in the 90s. Robert was also charged with killing Charles Grande of Webster in October 1991. Robert had sex with Charles three times for drug money. So I guess he was like kind of prostituting himself and killed the landscape company owner in his bedroom when he shortchanged him. The guy must have been paying him for sex for drugs and he felt like he scammed him. Charles was hit in the head with a hammer, which was the same way Stephen killed his victim. Right. He then stole about $1,000 in cash from Charles' suburban home and fled in his car. Although police called Robert a serial killer, it doesn't appear the four cases 16 years apart have a common motive. So that's what doesn't make him a serial right. killer. But because of the numbers, it could be. I guess it's right. it kind of depends. Robert was sentenced to 100 years in prison on December 13, 2006. He will be 151 years old before he's eligible to leave. After all this, what of Stephen, you may ask? In 2009, Robert's twin Stephen was released from prison after serving every day of his 30-year sentence for the armed robbery and kidnapping. So you never really hear. He that. did the eight years, but because he was an offender, he went for the full time. So I guess they just felt like he wasn't ready to right. go out. However, he was so thoroughly institutionalized at that point that he considered prison home. So he was only free for a few months before he walked into an Elmira bank, handed the teller a note demanding money. And then sat down and waited for the police to arrive. He wanted to go he back to, to go jail. Back. Being institutionalized, based, like there is a definition called right. institutionalization, means that a person has been locked up long enough that they have become used to it. And this can create problems upon one's release. Prison has a very different culture and day-to-day life than on the outside. And if you spend long enough on the inside, you easily become used to it. So that, show just, that in Shawshank Redemption. Today, he lives in a halfway house and walks the streets of Elmira, his hometown in upstate. Oh, sure. For a spell, both twins carried out their sentences in the same jail. When a police officer showed Stephen an article about his twin's crime, he reportedly just said, I thought I was the only murderer in the family. Oh, okay. Bad blood seems to run in this family's veins. That's a pleasant and unpleasant twin story. Thanks for that. You going to give me a pleasant one now? Yes. We're going to go back and forth with your emotions. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like real life. Go back and forth with my emotions. I don't like the term mirror twins because I don't believe in that theory, but some twins mirror each other in crazy ways where it's like you can't overlook it, Okay. as was the case with Ashley Spinks and Andrea Springer. So Ashley Spinks lived in Indianapolis and Andrea Springer lived in Georgia and they were fraternal twins. When they were both 21 years old, they found out separately that they were pregnant. So they're both married, they're young, but they're married, live in different cities, and they find out they're pregnant. Now, I don't know about, like, American culture, but, you know, the first semester, you really don't tell in Latin culture. Right. You don't tell people till you're about three months, which yeah. I know most people do, but 
I don't, I mean, I don't know what the reason is in Latino culture, but I know they say it's a bad omen. It's a bad omen, but statistically, that's when you're most likely to miscarry. So you really, that's what I think that's what they're saying when they say it's a bad omen. Ashley flew down to break the news to her sister, but she was already six months into her pregnancy. Oh, so she kept it for like two trimesters, like didn't tell her twin that she was pregnant at all. As Ashley flew down to tell her sister, she sees her sister and she sees she's pregnant too. Oh, so she didn't know her sister? So neither one of them told each other they're twins but didn't tell each other they were the pregnant? The chances that both were pregnant for six months. They're both six months pregnant. Oh my god, this is like this is, this is like our friend's sisters. The chances that both of them were pregnant for six months before telling each other is already slim enough. But then they had additional news to tell each other. They were both having twins. Oh god. So they're both six months apart and they're both having twins. Twins are having twins. It's so weird. It normally apart. skips a generation. And if that's not crazy enough... Not only they were having twins, they were due on the same exact day. I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> were they identical twins? Fraternal! No, like, were they having identical twins? Because this is so weird. So, Ashley Spinks traveled down to Georgia from Indianapolis for the birth party. And on December oh, 14th... <laughs> no, that's cute, right? On December 14th, 2004, the twin sisters gave birth to four boys, just hours apart from each other jesus christ Spinks gave birth to fraternal and springer gave birth to identical you know it's weird not only does it usually skip a generation but anybody can have identical twins but fraternal twins are the ones that run in the family so i just it, it's so weird well they said twins run in their family on all four sides of the parents oh that's why and neither of the sisters use fertility drugs which makes this case a thousand yeah, percent no, unique yeah. in fact their doctor said the odds of the phenomenon happening naturally were one in a million. Yeah, no, that's incredibly rare that this would happen. Could a family be blessed or, if you look at it, cursed with twins? Well, I, uh, I'm going to say cursed. I guess we'll have to wait until those four boys are old enough to have kids of their own. And then we'll see what happens. Crazy! I know it was short, but I could not not put that in. I was like, they don't tell each other for six months. And then they find out, hey, you're pregnant. I'm pregnant. Oh, and I'm having twins. Me too. I'm what day are you do? December 14th. December 14th? What the hell is happening? Seriously. Like, and then, like, most people for due dates, as most moms know, it's two weeks before, two weeks after. So they could have had the same due date but not had the baby on the same day. But they both made it to their due date and had the baby on their due date. I guess they never not synced. So crazy. <laughs> nuts. Nuts. So this is a crazy theory slash story. So I'm going to warn you guys right now. This is going to be especially difficult for me. This one's hard. There's too many things for me to throw. I'm going to, this has nothing to do with it, but just to kind of give you some backdrop. In 2009, they did this horror film called The Unborn. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember that, but if you don't, if you've never seen it, it's not really great. You don't have to check it out. But there is a Nazi doctor who is known to be obsessed with twins and created them, which resulted in some horrifying images and moments throughout that less than mediocre film. This doctor is also responsible for the childhood trauma Magneto experience in the first X-Men film. The character is loosely based on a real-life Nazi and real events that took place. And once this man escaped the Nazi downfall, he escaped into the south of the world between Brazil and Argentina. And oddly, where he went resulted in some truly eerie twinning tales. To understand the story, we have to leave the Americas for a brief moment and head east and to the past to war-torn Nazi Germany. Joseph Mengele was born on March 16th, 1911, in Glunsberg, near Ulm, Germany. He was the eldest son of Karl Mengele, a wealthy manufacturer of farming tools. In 1935, he earned a PhD in physical anthropology from the University of Munich. He also held a doctoral degree in genetic medicine. One pretty smart skinhead, I'd say. 
Pretty much. Pretty smart racist dude. In January 1937, he became the assistant of Dr. Otmar van Verscher. You're Versch, really good at these pronunciations. If you say so. <laughs> at the Institute for Hereditary Biology and Racial Hygiene in Frankfurt. Yeah, it's what it sounds like. Verscher was a leading scientific figure widely known for his science, his research with twins. It kind of started off in like a place that was good because it was a legitimate research, research place. Mm-hmm. But as Nazi Germany took over, he kind of started using people for terrible, terrible, terrible experiments. Aside from being the bastard that Judge knew arrivals, a.k.a. innocent prisoners, on their ability to work and being admitted into the camp, some he deems unsuitable for labor, and he gassed those people. He also took after his mentor of doing research on twins. So he was really busy at this fucking camp, apparently. Mengele became interested in using twins for medical research. Verscher himself was famous for experimenting with identical and fraternal twins in order to trace the genetic origins of various diseases. So as I said, it didn't start off with it did, bad it's not, intentions. Yeah, not, right. But during the 1930s, twin research was seen as a perfectly natural way of kind of weighing in factors of human hereditary and environment. But at Auschwitz, with full license to maim or kill his subjects, Mengele performed a broad range of agonizing and often lethal experiments with Jewish and Roma, Roma meaning gypsies, but I don't like that, twins, most of them children. Of course. A survivor said he had jars of eyes that spanned throughout the entire wall. He was the sick fuck who was obsessed with heterochromia, a condition in which the irises of an individual's eyes differ in coloration. Yeah, they have two different color eyes. He would attempt to change eye color and who knows what the hell else this guy was doing. But that was like his big obsession. Heterochromia so. is so rare. And of course, a really smart genius doctor would be the weirdo that would have that thing and would have access to such right. a fucking terrible situation. Sometimes this planet. Anyway, Mengele had hoped to use the research he had garnered in Auschwitz to produce his habitation, a second postdoctoral dissertation required for admission to a university faculty as a professor in German-speaking lands. Instead... In January 45, as the Soviet army advanced through western Poland, Menengo was a little bitch and fled from Auschwitz. Of course he did, because people like that are always fucking bitches. Mm-hmm. He spent the next few weeks at the Gross Rosen concentration camp until its evacuation. He then made his way west to evade capture by Soviet forces. In the immediate post-war period, Mengele was in U.S. custody. Unaware that Mengele's name already stood on a high part of the list of wanted war criminals, U.S. officials quickly released him. Oh, yeah, good job. Mm -hmm. Good job right there. So he's made his way from the Americas thanks to the United States for not keeping him for the appropriate amount of time. From the summer of 45 until spring 49, using fake papers, Mengele worked as a farmhand in Bavaria. His prosperous family, however, because he did come from a manufacturing family, aided his immigration to South America in 1949. Of course he did. He settled in Argentina, weirdly, where a lot of Nazis hid. And I don't know why, because there there was extradition laws at the time, so I don't know why so many Nazis went there, but they did. Mengele's war crimes were well documented before the International Military Tribunal, or the IMT, and other post-war courts. So West German authorities issued a warrant for his arrest in 59, and a request for extradition was in 1960. Armed by the capture of another Nazi bitch who also ran to Buenos Aires in that same year, Mengele moved into Paraguay and then to Brazil. 
He spent the last years of his life near Sao Paulo. In a book titled Mangale, the Angel of Death in South America, which I plan to read, the Argentinian historian Jorge Camarasa, a specialist in the post-war flight to South America, put together the Nazi doctor's mysterious work. After speaking to the townspeople of Candido Godoy, I hope I said that right, he is convinced that Mengele is continued his genetic experiments with twins with astounding results. Of course he did, because why wouldn't he? More than 80% of his 6,700 residents are of German descent. They began arriving around World War II, lured with the prospect of cheap land, an agreeable farming climate, and incentives from the Brazilian government to colonize the area. So there was already, like, basically white people there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, white-skinned. His idea yeah. of what a race should look like, essentially. Camarasa claims that Mengele found refuge in the German enclave of Colonias Unidas, Paraguay, and from there in 63 began to make regular trips to the other predominantly German community just over the border in Brazil to that farming community. He believes Candido Codoy may have been Mengele's laboratory where he finally managed to fulfill his dreams of creating a master race of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryans. There is testimony that he attended women, followed their pregnancies, treated them with new types of drugs and preparations, that he talked of artificial insemination in human beings, and that he continued working with animals, proclaiming that he was capable of getting cows to produce male twins. The urbane German who arrived in Candido Godoy was remembered with fondness by many of the townspeople. Oh, was he? Was he really? He told local farmers he was a vet. George was told by a local resident. The local also stated that Mengele appeared to be a cultured and dignified man. Oh, fuck him. But but the Nazi eugenicists did not concentrate on strictly those animals, clearly. A former mayor and town doctor, Ansencia Flores da Silva, set out to try to solve the town's mystery. He interviewed hundreds of people and discovered one character who kept coming up. This medic claiming to be named Rudolf Weiss. Weiss appeared to be some sort of rural medic who went from house to house. He attended women who had varicose veins, gave them potions, which he carried in a bottle, or tablets, which he was always had on him. Sometimes he carried out dental work as well, and everyone remembers he used to take blood. Why would you need to, why take, would you need to take Why blood? would you need to take blood? After this, twins came left and right out of this teeny tiny town. So everybody's just having twins? Miraculously with his arrival. It was here that soon after, the birth rate of twins began to grow exponentially. Lots of twins, mainly fraternal, began popping up at the same time this wife slash mangled person shows up. By 2009, there was roughly 38 pairs among the 80 families living in a one and a half mile square area. So all of those years later, they still have... By 2009, 38 pairs out of 80 families. So he started doing this shit in like 45, 50, and all of these years later, we still have all these fucking twins in a one and a half mile radius. And mind you, globally, it's 3.3%. Right. Like just because I happen to know a million sets of twins, it's really quite rare. One woman interviews claims to have... Five sets of twins in her family alone. Jesus Christ. Coincidence or quite intentional? Uh, I'm going to go with quite intentional. Mm-hmm. The town's official crest shows two identical profiles and a roadside welcoming visitors to, quote, a family community in the land of twins. There is also a museum, the House of the Twins. While the twins' birth rate varies widely in different countries, it is typically about 1 in 80 pregnancies, a statistic that left Mr. Camarasa certain in his claim that Mengele was successfully pursuing his dreams of creating the master race, a real-life voice from Brazil. In declining health, Mengele suffered a stroke and drowned while swimming at a vacation resort near Pertigoa, Brazil. 
Good. On February 7th, 1979. I hope it hurt. I hope you felt... You know what? Drowning has to be one of the worst ways to die. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad that's how you died. He was buried in a suburb of Sao Paulo under the fake name Wolfgang Gerhardt. Should have just dumped him in a ditch. That's what I would have done. Some say it's something in the water. Some say it's genes. Others say the Nazis learned many untold, untapped phenomena. Fuckers. Sorry, I'm done cursing now. I, I just, I'm not. It's so hard for me to read about Nazi stuff. I, ooh, it's I making can't. me drink. I mean, I was already drinking, but yeah. it's making me drink more. Yeah. I'm going to end on a positive note. Please. Yes, thank you. I will. I did good, bad, good, bad. No, Thanks for mixing good. that up. You're very welcome. I knew it would be too intense. <laughs> Commonly, twins seem to share an inherent understanding of their co-twins' emotional state. Is it possible for identical twins to possess a form of telepathy or extrasensory perception? Yes. A.K.A. ESP? I think Weird so twin too. shit. That's what I call it. Weird twin shit indeed. <laughs> Many report a sensation of... Something being wrong when their twin is in crisis. But what about a twin you've never met? Hmm. How much can you sense about each other? And how much can you really be like your twin? Here's the case of the two gyms. Gyms! Jim Jim. The two gyms are famous here in the United States. Jim Lewis and Jim Springer were put up for adoption in 1940 at three weeks old. And yes, they were separated. Honestly, though, what is it with these fucking separations and you know what's crazy i think back in the day people thought they thought separating twins made sense because more families can adopt and more people didn't want multiple i'm sure that but that's not true it was well-intentioned thinking that no family isn't good but you know what then i honestly like if i if i ever adopted i would think just having multiples would work because they would have a a sibling they would have a biological family right. member so i don't understand I, this whole concept if, back in the day i don't understand the if i was going to adopt a child and you told me well they're a twin i would have to make the decision of okay i'm adopting twins or you know what i'll adopt you know one Another kid baby. but you have to give people the option you don't just separate someone mm-hmm. from their family you're like they're missing a whole part of themselves i just think it's horrible both families knew that the child they adopted had a twin, but neither did not know what became of the other child. So this seems to be a very common thing. It's a common thing because I'm sure that they had no information. There's no way to track it. This, however, did not stop them from living crazy twin shit, like you said. Similar lives, only 45 miles away from Why one another. Why are they always so close? I mean, granted, assuming that they're born in the same hospital, they're being adopted out of the same place they're never going to wind up that far from each other but it's so crazy how close but, they always are and not are. only that they grew up there it's not like the family moved away and right. there was they moved further apart and like their chances would be slimmer this says they grew up in the same place that they were adopted from right. and it's unlike tamara and adriana's case where they, they came from mexico a different country, right? that's a different country they could have been literally gone anywhere and in it's the crazy States, that they wound up that and they close. ended up both in new york too so sometimes i think there are bigger things at play to begin this super strange saga, the name James was given to both twins separately by their individual adoptive parents, but they both went by Jim. I know a ton of Jameses and a ton of Jims. They don't all go by Jim, but they both go by Jim. Some of them go by Jimmy. Some of them go by James. That's not have to be Jim. They're both yeah. Jim. Neither man knew of this impossible facts about their brother, however, until Lewis, age 39, decided to try and get in contact with his twin. So I guess he knew he know, growing yeah, up there was a twin. But I guess at almost there's 40, no way for you to know how similar you are to them. But in 1977, he succeeded in finding contact details through an Ohio courthouse. The pair spoke on the phone and eventually agreed to meet. On February 9th, 1979, the Jim twins met for the first time in their adult lives. Aside from their looks, the commonalities of their lives seem astronomically impossible. And they're like 39 at this point, right? Okay. 41 now, because oh, it was two shit. years. 79. Both men had childhood dogs named Toy. 
Who names, Who names their their dog a dog toy? toy? <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Both married twice. Both first wives' names were Linda. Then both their second wives' names were Betty. Oh, come on. I can't. They both had sons. Their sons' names? James Allen and James Allen. Oh, come on. No. But there's one difference. One Allen is one L. The other Allen has two L's. So there's James Allen and James Allen. Both Jims were heavy smokers, enjoyed good drinks, drove the same car, a Chevy, (laughs) had similar jobs in security. Jim Lewis was a security guard while Jim Springer had been a a deputy sheriff. Over time, they both worked as different sheriffs, serving as their town deputy. They even took vacations at the same Florida beach. The most astonishing part of their tale is that they didn't meet until they were 39 years old. I was about to say, I'm like, out of all of this shit, the weirdest thing is that they never ran into each other. How? Scientists saw how very valuable they could be to the study of reunited twins. They took part in a study conducted by Thomas Bouchard of University of Minnesota, who found that their medical histories and brain wave tests were almost identical. Holy shit. So too were the results in a personality test. These guys are like the the same same human being, just divided in half. There were also differences according to the study. While one wore his hair combed straight, hanging down on his forehead like the Beatles, the other swept it back and had sideburns. What do you do? do do? One expressed himself much better, though, through speech, while the other found it easy to do in writing. So there's some differences right, there. Right, okay. But that could just be environmental, too. Honestly, those are such minute, right. small differences that the large scale of things is just crazy. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit if we have a difference in our communication when you both married twice and the women had the same fucking name and then you named your dog Toy and you both named your kid James Allen. That Those little differences and drive the same mean car. fucking nothing. <laughs> both had similar jobs at some point. I can't, like, no. it's insane. It's this is another difference. They were both married twice. One of them married a third time to a woman named Sandy. So that was another difference. Well, I'm so sure if the other one, one got a third wife, her name, would, her have been name would be Sandy too. The two gyms and others like them went on to influence theories of nature versus nurture and how science thinks about the effects of hereditary over environmental factors. Some have even considered the two gyms cases as possible proof of telepathic connections between twins. It's gotta be. Jim Springer did state that he, quote, always felt an emptiness after all. Of course he did, because he's missing another part of him. Was it his brother he was subconsciously feeling? Especially identical twins, you're connected in the womb, and that connection can't just end when you're born. Yep. Just because you are a twin, however, doesn't mean you don't go through different day-to-day emotions, thoughts, behaviors. It doesn't mean you don't have your own personalities. These are just some crazy examples, both sad and miraculous, that show how blood will always be thicker than all things. I'm not going to get over them both naming their dog Toy. Or James Allen. Like, what? And it's not just the fr- Like, I get people name their kids after themselves, but the middle name? But the middle name, name? Why the middle name has and to be And it's not the like Toy is a common <laughs> dog name. That's what I said. When I saw Toy, I was like, that's crazy. Those are the cases. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm and- ending that on a lighter note than, you know, Nazis and shit. <laughs> I would never end with Nazis. Ever. You will never get that much respect from me. But no, again, I just, I've always had this weird fascination with twins. Because, again, it's because we're not twins, so. I think everyone who isn't a twin is fascinated with twins. And I think some twins are fascinated with twins, too, because, like, they have twin clubs and, like, you dress alike. And, you know, there are some people that really but play into that. But I know that, that there's also, like twins that have issues just because i can understand you not being able to separate your identities of course because this is one thing i've always said about parents and again i'm not a parent and i can't control how people do things i don't like when parents dress their kids alike after a certain age twins or not you're not letting them be different you're telling them that they're the same you're dressing them the same and you're basically not letting them live out their personality so i think that with twins i'm sure everybody thinks it's like oh my god they're twins they're so cute let's dress them alike but it's like they're still two different people 
And they can't develop in their own unique ways if you're going to continue dressing them alike. Or if they are alike, okay, great, but their clothes don't have to match. Like, right. not they don't everything have to wear the same has to be thing. parallel. Like, right. it's almost... You're the one making it You're setting up this kind of conditioning where you have to kind of be always like each other, I or think, Or, like, in always your brain. together. And, like, if they wanted to do anything different or separate, you can't. And then also, as someone who, again, is not a twin, if you dress your kids alike, I can't tell them apart. Yeah. That's hard for people that so don't... <laughs> know your twins and that's the hardest part but. it's like seeing double yeah, and hey and if we're wrong about any perspective feel free to let us know oh at yeah, the area americas no at gmail i'm again we're not twins and you have any type of crazy story please let us know because we'll never get sick of listening to never. crazy twin shit and we love our last and final segment that we're about to do for anyone that's just joining us we always like to end on a light note. We pick something ridiculous that happens around the world. And it's which, normally in Florida. Again, it's always me. It's always me with the Florida. But we're going to get into it right now so you guys can hear our segment on Who Does That. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who, who does, does that? that? I always try not to pick you, pick on you, Florida. And you guys, but you guys give me too much material. <laughs> so this is coming from CBS Miami. And this is the headline. It's censored, but I'm not going to censor it. It says, fuck it. I'm drunk. Take me to jail. Florida man crashes lawnmower into police car. Haines City police officers have to worry about people driving under the influence or boating under the influence, but now they'll have to look out for those lawn mowing under the influence. According to Haines City Police, an officer handling another incident inside of a local business in Haines City in Central Florida heard a loud noise from outside of the store. When the officer went outside, he found Gary Anderson, 68, behind the wheel of a lawnmower and near the officer's parked police car, which had minor damages to the bumper. (laughs) Haines City Police said Anderson admitted to hitting the car and he told one officer at the scene, fuck it, I'm drunk, take me to jail. At least he admitted his wrong. And you know what? He's 68 years old. He's like, oh, well, I'm drunk. I'm on a lawnmower. Screw it. So the police affidavit said Anderson's behavior shifted from being angry to joking multiple times and he had bloodshot eyes. After he failed to complete any of the field sobriety tests, Anderson was arrested and charged for driving under the influence. He wasn't lying, guys. He was drunk. (laughs) Officer said Anderson agreed to take a breath test at the police department but failed to provide an accurate sample because he tried to deceive the test. How do you do that? Anderson then began claiming police poisoned him and he was transferred to a local hospital where he was able to complete the breath test his blood alcohol contact came back at a point two four one three times the legal limit they oh. also found cocaine in anderson no system. wonder they said bloodshot i wonder anderson was also charged with refusal to submit a dui test with his license suspended he remains in custody at the polk county sheriff's office on a three thousand dollar bond police ran a criminal background check on anderson and found his license has been suspended since 1978 what and he was convicted fuck? of a dui two other times as well and that's why he's driving a lawnmower because exactly. he knows he's not allowed behind the wheel of a car exactly that's your wasted logic for you and he goes quote i'm proud of the professional demeanor our officer showed when dealing with this heavily intoxicated belligerent <laughs> offender said haynes city chief of police jim alensky it's never a good idea to get behind the wheel drunk even if that wheel is to a craftsman massey ferguson or John Deere. Anderson's lawnmower was towed. At first I was like, you know what? He's a drunk old man. He's 68. He admitted it. Whatever. But this guy just sounds like he's had a lifelong problem. True native Floridian. There's like... Maybe it's his only mode of transportation. He's had no license for 40 years. Where does he gotta go three times drunk? (laughs) Where does he gotta go? It's not like he's gotta go to work. He's 68 years old. Well, now he can't go anywhere. They towed his lawnmower. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
You but can't make this up, seriously. Florida, again, stop giving me so much material. Get it together. Yeah, that was our episode. Please continue listening. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends, tell your family, all that good stuff so that we can continue making these and get to more people. But in the meantime, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye. Adios.